The Utah Jazz hit an open scrimmage in Hawaii and roll out five on one side, five on the other. What should we take from those lineups? Will Hardy rolled out as we get ready for preseason game number one. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Bum 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 pow pow pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Today on Locked On Jazz, the Jazz have an open scrimmage at BYU-Hawaii and roll out five, three of which were Walker Kessler, John Collins, and Lowry Markin. So the other two are super interesting. We'll have that for you today. Look at what that might mean. What to look for in game number one on Sunday from Hawaii in the Maui Tribute. Uh, what should we be looking for there? News and notes from Walker Kessler, Jordan Clarkson, John Collins at training camp. We'll also then look at some spacing issues for the Jazz, uh, as well as some clutch numbers from years past on the Jazz Media Day notes, and then look around the Western or the Western Conference at top talent. So all of that uh, coming up for you on a jam-packed show. Today, today's this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, including YouTube. Please leave us a five-star review. Shout out to all those who have done so in the comments section. Let's roll it out there. It's been the debate all summer long. What is your five? What is the five that you want to see rolled out for the Utah Jazz? on opening day of preseason. So what is your five that you want to see um, from the Jazz on Sunday? Uh, It's been a lot of questions. Uh, Even last night at dinner uh, with the new broadcast assistants, Ron Boone, we all debated the various uh, lineups that are out there. Um, and, and we'll look at that. Thank you very much. Uh, and we'll talk about what they did today. Uh, thank you very much to all of the everydayers and the, thank you very much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day. Okay. So jazz won open scrimmage yesterday and you know, like, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it. Um, on the other end, I do think that, you know, Will Hardy knows what he's doing and probably is not accidentally rolling out a starting five. Um, he knows that whatever lineup he puts out there in that circumstance with reporters <coughs> and fans, it's going to hit the internet. People are going to react. All of those kind of things um, are going to be a part of it. So they roll it. It had what you'd expect. It had Walker Kessler, Lowry Markin, and John Collins on the floor together, which, you know, we can continue, we can continue to talk about as um, how that's going to work. And we will on today's show. And then uh, from there, Oh, shoot. I just realized that yesterday's audio version of the podcast never published, um, which is just so silly. Um, so two episodes for everyone on the audio version today. Um, so sorry about that. I don't really know why that happened. Um, nonetheless, the other two were Taylor Horton Tucker and Keontae George. The other group, had Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji, Kelly Olenek, um, Chris Dunn, 
Yurt Saban seen to bounce between two teams. Um, so what's interesting about this? Actually, the first thing that I thought was most interesting about this is the idea that Ochai Abaji could play some backup three. That if Ochai Abaji plays backup three, maybe along with other things, that, and then how many minutes is Lowry really going to get at three? Like Lowry could get some minutes at five, Lowry could get some minutes at four. Maybe you're opening up 20 some odd minutes for Ochai Abaji as a three. Okay, so that that's the first thing that jumped out at me. Um, the second one is Clarkson and Sexton together in that second unit. It's just not a sec, not a grouping. Like I've just kind of taken that grouping this entire time and said, nah, that could never work. Which to Will Hardy's point of not having preconceived notions, okay, don't do that, David. Um, but I've I've really never had the idea that 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 you would ever have Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton together. Maybe you would. Maybe you open the floor with Kelly Olenek as your center and you're playing some combinations and you say to Jordan and jo- and and Colin, like, go to work. Like, just go to work. We got you five outs, open spacing. You're our two best drivers. Whereas John Collins and Walker Kessler, you don't have great spacing. And so maybe you don't want to do that. So interesting, just kind of how those two are. Um. The idea that Taylor Horton Tucker and Keontae George started at the guard line. Um, again, I think Will's just trying to play pairs. The fact that Keontae's like just in that group, I think matters a little bit. And as we talked about yesterday, there are just some unique factors of why and how Keontae's game fills a lot of the gaps that the roster doesn't have right now. Like they, we just don't have a lot of off the bounce three-point shooting. We don't have a lot of above the break three-point shooting. And Keontae who, you know, it's interesting we're, we're classifying him as that kind of shooter. Remember, he shot 37% in college. Um, we just And he didn't actually shoot very well in Salt Lake. Um, so there is some level where maybe we're projecting what we want out of Keontae rather than where he will be. 38% and 33% in college in one year, um, but obviously looked the part, and there's a lot of excitement around him, so we all want to believe that he can be that kind of shooter. Um but I think it's, and I actually think Taylor being there is as uh, noticeable as anything else. When you look at statistically, when we did the kind of breakdowns of the point guards earlier, and the everydayers will remember this, the one thing that really jumped out to me was Taylor's assist rate. That when Taylor played point guard, it certainly was ball dominant, and it was certainly in his hands. But he was he was also creating for others. Where Colin, that's not something he's shown the ability to do. It's better than he was in his rookie years, but it's not. He doesn't create that same assist rate at the same rate that Taylor did. Taylor's big and long. Like, start Taylor. You get big and long fast. Um, one thing that Ron Boone brought up last night that I thought was really an interesting concept that I, this is where having Ron Boone, who's like nearing 4,000 broadcast games or and NBA games in his lifetime, um, around is valuable, is the idea he thinks Jordan's going to come off the bench. And the minute he said it, it made a lot of sense. And and here's why. There's going to be some flux between who starts now, who starts in game 30, who starts in game 60. And I think, you know, the the ex, I think the hope for everyone in the organization, frankly, is that Keontae is starting at some point along the way, right? You would you would like to guess that in his rookie year, Keontae ends up getting 2025 starts to close the year if nothing else. That he's the same way we did with Ochai last year. Um, I don't, you know, it's not a plan. It's got to happen. He's got to earn it. But that would be, 
That would be the hope. If you start Jordan and you're going to start changing the starting lineup as the year goes, then at some point you might have to, quote, demote Jordan. And I don't know that you really want to demote Jordan. He's earned more than that. You owe him that respect. So if Jordan, you go to Jordan at the very beginning of the year and say, hey, you're going to come off the bench, you're going to play starter minutes, you're going to finish. And he's in that role. Now you just start playing with the other pieces, right? So now, okay, Chris Dunn, Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Saxton, Keontae George. Let's play with the other the other pieces. And maybe Ochai Abaji is now sliding into the backup three with Lowry Markinen, and then Lowry Markinen sliding down and playing in different roles. And then you have Ochai getting his minutes there, and you've, you've opened up this quagmire a little bit. And really at that point, maybe one of these guys does. Then one of these guys is not playing, not two. But if you have Jordan just set, like, hey, you know what? You're coming at the six-minute mark. You're going to go. You're going to get your minutes, and you're going to finish. Um, then that gives you some flexibility. Like, okay, well, who's best playing with Jordan in that second unit? Who's best starting? What What's our, like, does that open the door for Chris Dunn to get some time that he wouldn't get otherwise? Does that open the door for Keontae to get some, you know, then does Keontae suddenly start, but he comes out early and he's kind of a, faux starter just to get his feet wet until he gets ready. Be interesting to see. Or do you start Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton? And then, you know, you're bringing in Jordan early in. So I do think it was interesting. I mean, hey, it's data, right? We haven't had any other time where we've had five on the floor versus five on the floor where the public could see it and and take that. Um, And so when Taylor Horton Tucker, Keontae George, Lowry Markin, Walker Kessler, John Collins is on one side, uh, Hendricks was and Sensabaugh were running with that group as they evolved. Yerk Saban kind of bounced between the two groups. Clarkson, Sexton, Abaji, Alinek, uh, and Yerk Saban on that group, and then Samanich as well. So that's that's the data we got from a BYU op- Hawaii open scrimmage. What to look for? We're just getting started today. We got more coming your direction. What to look for in game one Sunday against the LA Clippers. Uh, we'll have that as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, it's award-winning. That's just simply what to be said about it. They just keep winning more and more awards, and now they've launched the new Kona Electric as well as the award-winning Ionic 5 and 6. Uh, they actually have a complimentary EV charger and $600 toward your installation of that um, for you. The new Kona 2024 is awesome. The small SUV starts as low as 24,000 with 35 miles to the gallon. And the electric version is available at 33.5 affordable electric. I paid for 75 yesterday at the tank. I like the electric. Uh, the Ionic six is gorgeous. The Ionic five uh, I have right now and, and enjoying it immensely, plus the great regular lineup of the SUVs. The Murdochs will take care of you. Let me help you and get the lockdown VIP treatment started. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com if you're going to stop by. Let me know which location you're going to, Murray, Linden, or Logan, and I'll make sure I drop a, get you set up with a VIP meeting so you don't have that kind of awkward start to your uh, looking for a car where you're wondering which guy's going to come up to you or a woman's going to come to you and talk to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll make sure that we get you the best experience you possibly can and take care of you over at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. 
Get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking of joining FanDuel, there's no better time. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more win totals in the NBA is a big one right now. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Take advantage of the NFL and college season as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Visit FanDuel.com. Include money lines, props, all the good fun that you can have with FanDuel. And as we give you a little bit more data coming up on the NBA's uh uh, on our projections, maybe we'll help you out with what you can do over at fanduel.com slash locked on. Thank you so much for making locked on the first listen of the day. Kind of cool stuff the Jazz are doing. Um, they had a food drive in Hawaii. They are doing the Maui strong with um, the Clippers. Uh, they've been involved in all sorts of things uh, out in Hawaii as well as just uh, basketball. So, so great to see. All right, what to watch for on Jazz Plus or KJazz or listen for. We can still listen to broadcasts with all the excitement around Craig Bowlerjack and Thurl Bailey and, and the crew who are obviously worth listening to. And the, and the Jazz um, Plus is available for you right now. Get all the Jazz games streamed as well as exclusive Jazz content. It's just $125.50, so go sign up now. Tell them Locked on Jazz sent you. Um, so... Here's what I'm looking for. Who plays with whom? Who plays with whom? That's the first one. Not who starts, not the who plays with whom. So when Walker and John Collins are on the floor, who's playing with them? When a Linux on the floor, who's playing with them? Everybody's going to have to play with Lowry. Who's Jordan Clarkson playing with? Who's Colin Sexton playing with? Who's Taylor Horton Tucker playing with? What are the playing pairs and groupings that are out there on the floor together? The second one is what's our style offensively? Last year, we were very heavy handoff team, uh, not a pick and roll team. Uh, Wills talked about, so last year we were the third in the league in drives, fifth in the league in off ball screens, 23rd in transition, 26th in pick set. Okay, are we going to do that? We are 10th in transition off rebounds. Can we go, go, go a little bit on that? With about, excuse me, or 14th with 10 a game. The league leader was 12 a game. The margins in transition are super small. So we're taught, Will's talking about multiple ball handlers bringing the ball up, no one stopping for one guy, just going. A few league notes on that. It took the average to cross half court last year was 4.2 seconds to cross half court. And the Jazz. We're at 4.3, so we're right in the middle, 17th. The slowest was Dallas at 4.8 and Cleveland at 4.7 and Portland at 4.6. The Kings were the fastest at 3.8, so a second difference from the fastest to the slowest team in getting across half court. Average time to your first action. The average in the league was 6.66. The Jazz were the seventh slowest team to get into their first action last year. Pacers and Kings were fastest. Dallas and Cleveland was slowest. Transition three attempts. Jazz were 11th last year at 3.7. Pacers and Warriors were the most at 5.4 and 5.3. Rockets were the least at two. And crossing the half court, uh, same thing on the shot clock as we talked about earlier. Jazz were the seventh slowest. So 
can't will the Jazz style of play expedite that? It's a super small margin. We're probably you can't do if you're in the middle of the pack and there's only a second from top to bottom. We're we're really not. There's not a lot to talk about there. It's somewhere like you're moving 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 seconds at the most. But you know what does that? What's the impact of that? How much you know? Can we can we do that stylistically? Defensively, I'm super curious to see. We've talked about this a little bit this week, and every dayers will remember is that you know the Jazz really transitioned from one team to another throughout the season. We opened the year, we were forcing a bunch of turnovers, we were denying the three, we were out on the perimeter. By the end of the year, when Walker was starting, we were in a defensive shell. We never forced a turnover. We played very, very kind of just hold it, deny the rim, let you shoot threes. Like, who are we defensively? What is our stylistic approach defensively and how are we going to play? We've got to force more turnovers than we did last year. We were 10% in the second half of the season, which is just a like historically low number. And so we've got to be more active in that regard, but also you've got Walker. So how are you going to use Walker um, to your best? And then I do think, you know, it is worth watching Keontae versus Russ. So Keontae George's lifetime hero has been Russell Westbrook. And they'll go up against each other in this game. And it's just going to be interesting to watch Keontae. It's a really good test to see if he stays inside the team construct. He could set himself back a little bit if he suddenly gets into a personal thing where he's trying to prove in a preseason game what he's doing with Russ. He could lose some of the veteran teammates a little bit. So it's a, I think it's a circumstance where he's amped up. It's his first NBA game. It's against his idol. It, it's ripe for just kind of a uh, night. And if he can show the maturity to get through it and treat it like a regular game and still stay inside the team construct, that's going to be an, that would be awesome for his development and his time. So I, I think those are, those are kind of the things that I would, uh, that I'm going to keep an eye out. The other one is, this gets really technical is the spacing. When we have, I think we'll start Walker, John and Lowry. How do we do the spacing and how do we get shots? So pick and roll is going to be awfully hard unless you're spacing Lowry in one corner, John in the other, and you're running a pick and roll with our point guard and Walker, and then you're probably not involving our best players. So I don't expect us to be a very heavy pick and roll team in that lineup. So you're going to be playing with some pin downs and you're going to be spacing. And last year, the pin downs all came kind of from the corners and Lowry would come off that curl. I think we're going to see some stuff where they're starting on the baseline and, you know, Lowry, John Collins hits Lowry on a screen to, to free him. And then if they try to switch it, then Lowry screens John guy, John's guy and John pops out. If they don't switch it, then Lowry pops out. Like some reads in there on, on what you're trying to do. I think you're going to see some, what I would call baseline spacing. It's not a phrase. I just made it up. Uh, in which you're doing stuff, you know, probably walkers on the opposite side. And you're starting with two guys down low. And so Collins could come out one side or Lowry could come out the other and you could come off Walker. I mean, it's very simple. Like if Walker sets the pick, then you're, which is where the Jazz kind of got people last year, is that Walker sets the pick and then the big's got to switch out onto Lowry and he doesn't want to. So then Lowry steps out and gets a wide open three. Th- that one's very easy. But how do you do it with John and Lowry when they're going to start switching? Any pick you run, any action you run between Lowry and John Collins, the opponents are going to switch because they're, sim- they're similar sized guys. You don't care who's on who. Um, and so I think you'll see, you know, how do the jazz react to that and deal with that? Um, and then the other question will be, you know, does, does it get crowded? Does teams are not going to respect John Collins shot. And so until John Collins starts to knock down shots, how crowded is that going to be with both those guys, um, on the floor? All right. I've got some clutch notes from last year. I was just, you know, this is like just really surprising how much some of our guys grew last year. 
Um, and then we'll look at some league-wide stuff. So Jordan Clarkson last year played 29 games in the clutch. Previous years, he played 16, 11, and 11. He took 87 shots last year in the clutch. He only took 62 in the four previous years. Pretty amazing. He did really well, 46 and 40, excuse me, 46 on the floor and 44, 46 on the floor, 44 from three. Markkinen had previously taken 59 of his 84, say 60 of 80. So three out of four of his clutch shots were threes. So all Lowry had done before last year was sit back outside and just take threes. Last year, only 27 of his 65 shots were threes. In the final two minutes, 14 of his last 17 shots have been threes. Like in the final two minutes of games coming into last year, Lowry just sat outside and took threes. Kelly Olenek last year took 36 shots in the clutch. In the last three years prior, he had taken 25. He shot 44%, 9 of 14 from three. He owned it. He was great. That's unlikely to be able to help. He also had 15 assists. He had eight in the last five years. I mean, really, really interesting to me in retrospect, how much Jordan, Lowry, and Olenek stepped up late in games in the clutch to own those moments and how much they thrived. And it's really kind of cool. And you wonder how much better they might be this year when they now suddenly are comfortable and been out there for a while. All right, we are going to look at top talent on each team in the Western Conference and what it might tell us about how this team, how the season's going to go on. Today's show is brought to you in part by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable short you could possibly own. I mean, do I need to tell you anything else? Yes, I do. Go to birddogs.com, so that's locked on NBA, and we check out, you'll get a free water bottle. But what you'll really get is you'll get Bird Dog shorts. Stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and legs, giving you a truly sculpted look. They just fit way better than other shorts. They're more comfortable. When I was packing for Hawaii, and I was like, okay, what shorts am I walking around in? It was my Bird Dogs. They fix the issue of stiff, restricting cotton by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks like khaki but stretches so you let way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They have an anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. It's also nice if you're going on a four-day road trip and you might wear something twice. And what I love most about them is you can wear them for golf, for a date, for evening out. I can wear them to walk the beach. I can wear them just to go out for a nice lunch. I can wear them to go out for a nice dinner. They look like they do they can do all of the different things. So go right now to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA to enter your promo code locked on NBA at checkout for free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com for a free water bottle at checkout. You will not want to take your bird dogs off. I promise. Thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day. And a tip of the hat to the Utah Jazz and LA Clippers for all the work they're doing in Maui for Maui Strong. Jazz mini game plans are on sale now. All-Star Weekend, Western Rival, Game of Month. They make it easy. Go to utahjazz.com to go get your tickets for an upcoming Jazz game. All right, let's look at this. This is, there's two things I look at here. One is, how many players are on your roster have, from Tyler Snar's dunks and threes, positive, effective, plus minus, estimated plus minus. So, it's, it's just basically, I mean, it's really a, a very simple concept. It's which, what item, you know, who makes a positive impact? And, and as I've kind of always talked about, there are far fewer players in the league who make a positive impact. 
Estimated plus minus is kind of an all-in-one metric. It estimates a player's contribution for 100 possessions, um, looking at various things, um, and they'll range kind of from 8 to minus 8. An average um, is actually less than 0. So there just aren't that – there are not like – there are not that many players who have a positive estimated plus minus. So just so you have it, like last year – Jokic was 7.9, Embiid was 7.3, Dame was 7.1, Jimmy Butler was 6.9, Kawhi was 6.5, Luka was 6.4, Steph was 6.4, Giannis 6.4, Durant 6.2, then LeBron, then Shea, then Anthony Davis, Jason T. Okay. So there's two things I'm looking at here, just kind of overall top-level talent on each team. We looked at 240 minutes earlier, which was kind of the way in which you look at a team, these teams. So what teams have the most players with a positive estimated plus minus? So Phoenix has six. Golden State has six. Minnesota has six. And New Orleans has six. Pretty interesting. Denver has five. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Mavericks, the Thunder, and the Jazz have four. Portland actually is sitting with five now. Did not include them in that original list. The Rockets have three and the Spurs have zero. So again, top talent in the Western Conference, Phoenix and Golden State have six. Golden State is maybe more of a contender than they're getting credit for. They have 240 minutes on their roster. They have the most positive, effective plus minus players of any team. And then they have Steph. Okay. Um, Look at the talent breakdown of top 100 players. So Denver has five players in the top 100. The Warriors have six. The Warriors have a top 10 player, three top 50 players, and then another two top 100 players. So the Warriors have six. That's the most. Again, the Warriors have the most top-level talent and 240 minutes. Are we, fanduel.com slash locked on, 48.5, are we missing on the Warriors right now? Phoenix has four, so Denver has five. The Clippers have five players in the top 100. One in the top 10, one in the top 20, three in the top extras in the top 100, between 50 and 100. The Grizzlies have five, one in the top 30, two in the top 50, two more in the top 100. Minnesota has five, one in the top 30, another in the top 50, and then three more in the top 100, and then another one that's borderline. So In the Western Conference of the top teams, six top 100 players on the Warriors with one top 10. Nuggets have a top 10, a top 30, a top 50, and two top 100s. Phoenix, excuse me, not Clippers, have top 10, top 30, and and three top 100s. Memphis has a top 30, but not a top 10. Okay, who has four? Phoenix has four players in the top 100. Two in the top 10. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, then Bradley Booker, Beal top 50, and then DeAndre Ayton was top 100, so he's actually probably out now. So they actually are down to three, I think. Unless I'm missing someone that I'm not thinking about on Phoenix, but I think Phoenix is now down to three. Sacramento only has three. Two in the top 30, and Sabonis and Fox, and a third player in the top 100. New Orleans has three. Zion and Brandon and C.J. McCullough. 
Oklahoma City has three. This is where I'm a little sketchy on Oklahoma City. One in the top 30 and then two in the top 100. Portland actually has three. Here's an interesting one. Dallas has two. So Dallas only has four positive estimated plus minus guys. Only has two top 100 players, one top 10 and and Kyrie. I kind of like Dallas, but I was listening to some stuff on Dallas the other day and I and I ended up with the same kind of feeling like, wow, they really don't have a lot of talent. Houston has two in the top 100. San Antonio has two in the top 100. The Jazz only have one, according to the ringer, using the ringers. We're the only team in the Western Conference with only one player in the top 100. Now, we have John Collins, Walker Kessler, and Jordan Clarkson all like on the verge, probably at 102, 103, 104, like waiting to get into this group. And that's probably going to dictate our season. But it is kind of an interesting thing. If we just reset this, the teams with the most positive estimated plus minus are Phoenix and Golden State, Minnesota and New Orleans, then Denver, and then the Lakers, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Mavericks, the Thunder, and the Jazz all have four positive estimated plus minus players. Same. Then we talk just pure top 100 players in the NBA talent. The Warriors have six. The Clippers have five. Memphis has five. Minnesota has five. And Denver has five. Denver has the most well-rounded five. And then it drops to three. Phoenix only has three. Sacramento only has three. New Orleans has three. Oklahoma City has three. There is a team name I haven't mentioned here. If we're maybe missing on the Warriors because they're better than we think, we might be missing on the Lakers because they're worse than we think. They only have two players in the top 100. Austin Reeves is a great story. He's not there yet. He might get there. Maybe Rui Hashimura gets there, but they have LeBron. They have 10 and 11 probably, or 11 and 12, but that's what they have. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis are their only top 100 players on their whole roster. They only have two, and Dallas only has two. And Houston and the Spurs only have two. And the Jazz only have one. Pretty interesting way to look at the Western Conference. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much. Sunday from Hawaii, Ron Boone and I will be on the call. Jamil Hawkins will be our executive producer. We are fired up. We are ready to bring it to you. And get your Jazz Plus now. The season is here. Make sure you go subscribe to Jazz Plus and get your exclusive content as well as Jazz Games streamed to you. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.